everybody. Doc, how's everything going? It's going fantastic, man. Under the circumstances, I can't be mad. Awesome, awesome. So we're about a month removed from the draft. What were your initial takeaways? Uh, more so how the NFL dealt with it. I thought they did a great job. Uh, I was kind of looking forward to being in Vegas for the hoopla, but I actually enjoyed the intimacy of seeing coaches and staff members, how they live. I thought it was much better, and I never want to go back to the, you know, dressing guys up in suits. And uh, No, I like what they did. So it it ended up being one of the highlights so far of COVID-19. Definitely, definitely. So, so you, you, I've, I've heard people say they want to incorporate some of these aspects into future drafts, but you're fine with them just doing this every year. I'm fine with oh, them cool. doing it. Yeah, that way. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Because cool. I think we're going to have to look at the realization. Yeah. You may never go back to the way things were. No. no. So I'm, I'm like, adapt your mindset to it. Yeah. Get into it because it could be the new, the new way to go. Absolutely. I thought it went great. And I, I get the whole thing that a lot of people had doubts and that maybe they shouldn't do it. I'm like, you know, if everybody's being safe, just, just do it. Yeah. And they, they did a great good. job. So, so early question about your, so your early career. What made you choose UCLA? Mm. Dick Vermeule. Um, the fact that I just love the campus and, um, I just sensed that something was going on. I mean, SC was killing people at the time. You're going, but we had a great group of guys. You know, I just kind of felt that if we got our thing together, um, we could get on a hell of a run, and we did. Yeah. Did Did you ever uh, cross paths with uh, Lou Alcindor or John Wooden while you were over there? No, Lou and those guys gone. My class is Richard Washington, Marcus Johnson. Oh, cool. Uh, those guys, you know, so we hung out. I mean, those guys were like gods at the time you were on campus. So it was kind of cool to have to earn your space yeah. on campus because you weren't the big dog. No. You know, Bruin basketball was, I mean, they, it was stupid at how good it was. So that was kind of cool being able to, you humbled by it, but you wanted a piece of it. And you had to go out, you had to beat SC, you got to win Rose Bowl, you got to beat Ohio State, you got to do the things that they did in order to be treated like they were treated on a smaller scale. And speaking of the Rose Bowl, so you guys did beat Ohio State. You did beat Archie Griffin. What was that like? Yeah. You know, every every victory, uh, the bigger the, the platform, the bigger the, the prize, whether it's beating Southern Cal on John McKay's last day as a coach or beating an undefeated Ohio State team. It, you know, it's just – it's big game hunting. And when you get in it, um, you're not always guaranteed to win it, but to win it um, is, is really one of those highlights because it's a team deal and everybody had a part in it. And I love to be doubted. People doubt you. Yeah. Most people don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. They're fans. And it's, you don't have to be an expert to be a fan. Part of it, fanatic, you being a fanatic is what makes it go. But there's so much about the insides of it. If you're not a participant, don't even waste your time. Just enjoy the fun part about it because it's boring and it makes you a lunatic because you have to become so obsessed with things and you train so hard for it and you don't always get it. But boy, when you do, and then you get on the succession, because to me, I keep lifetime stats. I'm not about a season. It's about overall. You know, how many championships have you been a part of or whatever? How many times have you been undefeated? 
how many times you come from behind to win. What's your greatest comeback win? So there's a whole bunch of different elements in it. It might be no people in the stands. It don't matter. We beat Philadelphia when you're up in Philadelphia. We had no read, no business winning that game. But Coach Vermeule got, I mean, Coach uh, Gibbs got upset at halftime. We were not really as disciplined as we ought to have been. Come back, you win. Mosley kicks a field goal, you win. You know, Giants, the year we had great record, we had a lot of come from behind wins. You know, people look at that team, those first Super Bowl 17 team, like, you know, weren't the Chiefs? We were coming from behind. Mosley, one year, was MVP of the league, the place kicker. That's, and everybody crazy. talks about that's why we love Mo. Mo bailed us out. You know, the defense bails you out. Field position is everything. Nobody's more important than a punter on fourth down. So there's, you, the, the game is you, it's broken down to fragments. Everybody loves the quarterback and the star receiver and yeah. star running back. That's fine. It, show me the last great receiver that led a team to a Super Bowl. Oh, wow. But yet, everybody, since Jerry Rice was on the Niners, I don't know nobody's even come close. Not no. You're not going to come close to Jerry, no. and the results are not going to be there. No. no, you can blow your brain out thinking about it. it ain't <laughs> so I'm, This is a nuts and bolts kind of deal. and But I love what's going on now. I love it with the social media, that Mahomes of the league, these young flamethrowers, Andy Reid, the innovation. Um, it's, it's very interesting. I am just, I'm like on a hunger strike. I can't believe that I'm 20 years plus and counting from a parade in this town. And I love the Nats, love the Mystics run, love Capitals. It was nothing like that, but I need another parade. Was, was in your, my lifetime. Was was the parade? Was were your parades? How did they measure in terms of size compared? Well, to I mean, it, you know, it was raining. We won. We were the firstborn, so the first team to ever win a national a world championship. You're gonna get like your first child. Yeah. yeah. They're all no. They're all the same. Bull crap. You know, the first time you see something that you create, it's hard to get over that. It really is hard to get over it, and so. The 72 team was my favorite team of all time. They got to Pasadena. They stayed in the Saddleback Inn in my hometown of Santa Ana, California. Um, Brig Owens is on that team, and, and, and I love Brig. Brig's from my area. Oh, cool. So I had a vested interest in them. I knew Charlie Haraway watching those guys. Roy Jefferson, I thought he was a god. And then Charlie Taylor was a god. Jerry uh, Smith was a god. You know, number nine before the injury was slinging it. Billy's a Bruin. You know, I got Hermely up front. I got all these guys. And I'm like going, and but they, they lost the Dolphins in a game. And, you know, woulda, shoulda, could Didn't get a job done. But, boy, they were so close. Ball hits a crossbar. I mean, you know, Billy had the luck of a lizard. The fake kick. There were so many issues. Not like they got blown away. Yeah. And they go back to next year, and Sonny's told us all the story. They smoked them the following year, but it wasn't a Super Bowl, you know. So you just got to live with that. But I respect what the Dolphins put off. And it kind of, for me, it was poetic justice that we got them in 17. Hey, you that's, know? Aw- that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. then so, so going into the draft, 
what was it like? Was the pro? What was the process? Is it much different than it is today? How 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 long was that when you? To- Dude, you challenging my skull. I mean, it's been many moons. Uh, <laughs> uh, multiple concussions. Wait, I, all I remember is just doing pranks on phones with my boys. You know, we were at an apartment complex in Inglewood. And the funniest thing to do was to call one of your boys and tell them they've been drafted, you know, and I did it to one of my roomies and you were doing it done. So when your phone rang, you never thought it was really somebody because all your boys were killing people with the pranks is all really what I remember most about it. There's no TV show. There's none of that. Like that is no combine. There was none of that. Wow. And in our year in 76, 77, we got robbed because, the only thing I really wanted to do, be a part of in college was the college all-star game to play yeah. against the pros. Yeah. And they canceled it my year. Wow. And I could not get over that. The last one was in Chicago in 76, and they played the Steelers. And that, to me, I mean, that was my – I mean, that was like, wow, to be a player. And they canceled it. So, wow. you know, just times. Like now, I hate to be 12 and have my Little League. Yeah. You know, my senior season of Little League taken yeah. away. Happened to a lot of kids. Graduations are taken yeah. care. So COVID nineteen, I don't complain about anything now because I feel very fortunate yeah. to have just had the opportunity. First of all, I just I just had the best group of coaches and people who cared. So for me, uh, Mike Rush, who's no longer with us, Dick Hill, who's a head coach in high school. Uh, but Mike Rush was my position coach, and man, what a guy! Pushing you through what you needed to get to, teaching you. You know, we had these guys, you know, in classes as well, social science. You know, I think about Frank Gans at UCLA. I mean, an outstanding individual took the time to mentor you, talk you through tough times. You know, you have a Dick Vermeil and a Joe Gibbs all in one career. Are you kidding me? Now, I had five different head coaches in my first five years, so wow. I felt like I earned great. I earned the right yeah. to be in Joe Gibbs' camp and to go from that because I had been different coach every year. And it happened. Some guys, you don't survive those waves. Those are waves. You got to be able to, to be on your knees and get through it because for whatever reason, I mean, I don't know anybody else to play for five different head coaches the first five years. In the that's league. crazy. That's, an, that's and maybe crazy. I'm sure somebody has. Yeah. But it don't really matter. The key is that can you survive it? Yeah. You know, and not only survive it to earn a check, but to survive it to be a champion. And that's the key. I have a question. So how, how did your move from Cincy to D.C. come about? I was injured. Well, you know, we had a dispute. I was hurt every year I was at. Broke my arm twice oh, wow. a rookie year. Yeah. Then I had ligaments and ankles second. Then I had a neck. So I was, you know, when they tried to, they forced me, literally suggested that they forced me back in early. So I said some things that aren't fit for, for cable <laughs> and, and left. I never felt that I had to play pro ball to make a living. I was not victimized by having to be an athlete. It was optional to me. I always felt that you went to school. If not, we'd have just gone to football camp. Yeah. But you were a student athlete and you, it's the whether or not you ever stayed awake in a class. You had the option to be around people and understand socialization, understand how this, how this world operates, different facets, people from all different diverse backgrounds. You don't realize – I didn't realize how I was raised until I went to college. Interesting. My mom did a hell of a job. I didn't realize we didn't have much. I didn't know because she always had 
what we needed. Yeah. My father's a Marine. He was cool. there when I was 17. So I, I had a remarkable childhood by a remarkable individual who was a great provider and leader. So by the time you get to college, you're hearing about people talking about they had cars. We never had a car. Walked there. I mean, they, these people live. And I'm going, wow, there's a whole different world. Plus, we was in Westwood. Yeah. We're in Hollywood. I'm looking at Beverly Hills. I cannot believe it. I'm like going, wow. So when you were taken out of your community, you start looking at the world. I'm going, I, I, this is unbelievable. I wasn't deprived. She dominated. We had everything we needed. Yeah. You didn't get what you wanted all the time, but you had everything you needed. And at that time of my life, what I needed was a Louisville slugger. I needed a met and cleats because baseball my whole world. Yeah. Oh, and all I cared about was being able to get people out and knock the ball over the fence. So my world was really cool. I was like, it's all good. You don't realize it until you get out and start. That's the beauty about education and growth in that. But, you know, I go five for five. I challenge people. If you can have, but now it's perfect in the corporate world. I'm able to relate and understand people yeah. have, you have to be flexible because your boss, your circumstances could change. And now when COVID-19, this is what flexibility is all about. So I feel like I've been trained. I wouldn't have volunteered for it. Trust me. But it is what it is. And you either have to fight and get through it or submit to it. You know, and uh, no, I had to get through it. And now I see the residual res uh, response to it is that everybody has a great plan until something goes wrong. Yeah. You know, I watched Joe Gibbs. We were 0-5 with the Masters. And I learned more about him while we were winless as much as I did when we were 12 and one and 14 and two, because watching a guy alter his approach and not being and not letting his ego turn it into my offense. Yeah. No, he never did that. Interesting. It was our plan of attack. And if it didn't work, him coming from Eric Coriel, we didn't have Winslow Jefferson. Foul, we didn't have other guys. But they didn't win as like we won. So he adjusted, and it taught me, woo, if your first plan fails, you better have a plan B. Your yep. plan B better be plan, better than plan A was. You know, find a way to get it done. And you also, he didn't have to curse and holler and tear the room apart. You know, I'd had the Newt Rockneys. I've been through all that. Yeah. But here's a guy who had a spiritualness about him that was relatable. and. Um, his value system. And he told us very clearly what we needed to do in order to win. And when we didn't do it, you're not going to win. You know, you don't force three turnovers. You don't average 3.2 on the ground. You don't hold your opponent to two point. Those things are benchmarks. He was in the analytics in the eighties. Interesting. We didn't, yeah. We didn't call it analytics, but he gave us a pie trade. This is what we have to do to increase our odds of winning. Yeah. And it was all about, you know, the, the roster. It was all about special teams. He wasn't, even though he was an offensive guy, that's because he had to block his whole life. He was a center. Interesting. I never knew that. That's yeah, so most guys that are offensive geniuses like he was, they're quarterbacks. Yeah. I love old school quarterbacks. Sonny, Joe, my guys. Because yeah. they wore the same uniform we wore in practice. Yeah. Now they put them in these tutus. Yep. And it's not their fault. No. But the system has put them to that. Yeah. And if I'm going to pay a guy $30 million a year, I'm not letting you hit him in practice. I understand economics. Yeah. Makes sense now. But our guys, 
I never understood why quarterbacks couldn't call their own plays. I thought that's why you should earn the right to do it through your experience and diligence. Then I understand positioning and I understand leverage, how you get new contracts. Coaches want to make money too. Yeah. I saw the whole event of the offensive gurus and the coordinators. It's all, it's all bull crap. It's all selling. You're trying to position yourself in a way to get more yep. money yep. for a job. Yep. And so I don't mind you doing it, but if you fail, I'm going to call you out yep. because you chose to market yourself rather than actually be good about something. Yep. And Bill Walsh is the last guy and really the only guy I refer to with an offense. Interesting. The West Coast. Yeah. You know, Eric Coriel was Don Coriel. He was a master at it. And Joe knew all that. And Don won a lot with his. Whatever Joe called it, whatever we were, and you call it whatever you want to call it, as long as you call us champions. And he did it with three different quarterbacks, three different backs. He broke the seal on what everybody worships now. He made a mockery of it. Yeah. Simply by making it team first, you know, and being it faceless, but yet having a personality. We had a lot of nuts on the team. He allowed us to be that, and he did not cramp your style, but you understood rules. You know, and so he wasn't soft, but he wasn't – he was a human. Yeah. You know, the dude was a human. Yeah. And I really appreciate that in him and watching him grow and build his foundations and the NASCAR. Nothing he does surprises me. I expect him to do it all. I just wish he was in politics. <laughs> Are you surprised he doesn't have a statue in D.C.? No. No, I'm not because, <laughs> I mean <laughs> – <laughs> oh boy Kenny Houston's final game I love Kenny Houston yeah. and I saw at the time where he was held out of a game for incentive clauses in his last game here we've done a lot of things that we should apologize for when I say we I've seen the organization do some things that if they could do it again they should have done it over yeah. I mean it just you know we, we've had a lot of things and those are sores and bruises that come up uh, but we were also the last team to integrate yeah. in the nation's capital, which to me is a is a black eye on America. If you're the last most racist team in a league is in the capital. So that tells you a lot about how we used to think. Yeah. And um, I, I referenced all the things that are actual actualities that involve race and gender. Because the people with the bruised and sensitive by it hang up, go goodbye. Because I lived through it, had to deal with it, and so do you. You know, I didn't start it, but I'm in the process of finishing it. And so don't try to bully people by, well, that was then. Well, people allowed it to happen. So you just can't act like it didn't happen. And we got the footage to prove it. Now what are you going to do about, and we're still fighting. Yep. for equality as human beings for everybody across yep. the board. Yep. And COVID-19 has been a great example of it again, yep. based on the people we lose first, yep. which we consider in our society insignificant yep. because we don't value all humans. Oh. And so that's my, my opinion of it is that until we really do look in the mirror and say we are Americans, yeah. all of us, no matter how we look, we'll never solve this. Yeah, it's just like you see all these people, just my personal opinion, you see these people like flocking at the beach from a one-day weekend. How many of them do you think are frontline workers? I'd say yeah, zero, zero. So it's – They don't – but we, we got to respect – we respect the light system. Yep. 
We don't, we don't, well, unless we're inebriated, it's red, you know, it, it is, it is green and yellow. People on bikes, people on bikes. That's, that's the thing I've always learned. People on bikes fly through red lights. Let me well, talk about that. when we, we allow it to happen. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's you know, I've never, ever think we should be embarrassed to have rules yeah. and regulations. We need order. You can't run a society with no order. So we need order. And I'm like, I mean, I was down to Great Falls on Sunday and I'm driving through because my sneak break now is, okay, social distancing. Just get in your car and drive anywhere you want to go. Yeah. You don't violate any rules. No. And I don't have to wear the day. I wear the mask out, but not yeah. in the car. Oh, no. Okay, so I can drop the mask and the gloves and, and enjoy, you know, some sports yeah. radio. But yeah. I just think that when I see people just no mask, no gloves, I say, oh, you're going to beat the system. There you go. You know, and then we'll have to walk slowly behind and praying yep. if it don't work out. That's yep. recklessness, and it's a lack of order. Yep. And it shows you, up a lack of leadership. Yep. Who's in charge? And right now, it's embarrassing. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And then, so, so going back to your time in D.C., so but before you, you got there the year before Gibbs. Yeah, so, well, played for Jack Party. So what, what changed in the locker room as soon as he walked through the door? Well, nothing, because we went on five. I mean, what changed was he was implementing a plan, and his first plan failed. You know, we couldn't yeah. win the game. Now, I think we were number one in, in the league in offense. Whatever shows you the stats, I love stats, stats now. Yeah. I love stats. They, to me, have become one-fourth of sports. Yeah. You know, my boy Al Galdi, I love him to death. I, I just think it is. But it's not half. Yeah. It's not two-thirds. Interesting. It's one-third. And I'll give him that. It could be a fourth. However you want to break it down, it's very important because we were always doing it. We just weren't talking about it. So we can't act like it just happened. We've always done it. Joe Gibbs was a master at it. But unless you can make it work as in, on a team standpoint, yeah. I don't know how you get results. We, have, we pay more people for failure in pro football than yep. any other sport in the world, in my opinion. Yep. It's interesting. It's wild. And then so, so 82, so when the strike was going on, did, did, did you have a feeling the season was going to commence or did, did you have your doubts? No idea. I mean, we just – we flew out and did a game in California uh, at the Coliseum for 500 bucks. Got to play for Jerry Smith, who was our oh, coach shit. here. And, yeah, there were some really good things that went good. Interesting things, how we stuck together, worked out on our own. There's a brotherhood with that group and people that went through it that's unlike anything you can imagine. Um, and then to have it come back and our team stayed the closest. We, 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 like now, I think Ron Rivera's group, I really believe they can beat the pack in activity because he's experienced it before himself. Yeah. Plus he went through as a player. I think he is, should be headed, and he is. Yeah. Now if the players buy in, because I look at this team coming up for the skins a lot like our team. Interesting. I'm not the strike. I really do. A lot of similarities in that you didn't know about Joe. You don't know about Ron here. Ron, the track record. You, Joe had too. Yeah. But because they are a lot of they're they're built similarly built in that grounded guys, yep. discipline. They got it, you know, in in that order. That's why I think those two guys actually being friends. The fact that Gibbs may have counseled him, yeah. I think it's very important because whenever you know success leaves clues, yeah, and and you need to look at it. Well, wait a minute, this guy has been sitting down talking to the grand to the master of yeah, Joe, Joe Jackson Gibbs. 
man, let me be in that meeting when they're just talking ball. And one's a defensive guy, one's an offensive perspective. So that's the challenge I love, that the hit and match about Ron played against us. We played against Ron and beat us at RFK. You know, um, I hate that, but it happened. The Bears, they had a great defense. 84 Bear defense was loaded. 85 was great seeing those guys. So to me, Jack Del Rio, Joe, they've kind of been there. We're not experimenting. It's not like Coach – I like Coach Jordan, but it's not, hey, he came in for one. Oh, oh now I'm the head coach. Come on, man. What is this? It's not a clown show. We're talking about big business. Yeah. And so I think we're so far ahead. I think this staff, Joe Gibbs said it often, the most important thing he received from Jack King Cook was he got all 12 of the people he put on the list that he wanted to be on the staff. Interesting. So when you get the people you want, yeah. not that they give you or, hey, can you do my boy a favor? Yeah. I got a friend. I used to play with his dad. Hey, man, that's how you lose. You want to lose? Start hiring a bunch of people that don't know what the hell they're doing. Exactly. Quickest way to be Owen whatever. So I like the way they're building it. North Turner, son. Scott is like third generation. It's like growing up in the automotive business. If your old man's a mechanic, your dad sold cars, you grew up in there, it ain't surprising no. that you end up leading the nation and selling BMWs or Mercedes or whatever. We're looking at people that didn't go out and didn't have birthday parties. They went out and played touch. When you grow up in a sport, what more do you want? Kyle Smith, his old man's AJ. Guess who was his, the coach's ball? AJ. He told Shannon, he fired a man who was 14 too. <laughs> I mean, and his son had to be around when they were talking about the overheard thing. He's been in the football environment since his crib. You need people like that. Doug Williams is still in the building. He's an unbelievable asset. Yeah. But they would never let him talk to players. How stupid can you be to have a guy that's universally loved all over the world and you may have a problem, go talk to them, we're done. And the quarterbacks, nope, I can't do that. He Doug used to come on the show and tell us, hey, I just stay in my lane. I used to think, what damn freeway are you guys on? <laughs> the freeway going nowhere, okay? And that's why they all deserve to lose their gigs. Yeah. Because they mismanaged it, in my opinion. They mismanaged it. Yeah. They had some great resources. Jay cried out for help. He tried to tell us they weren't on the same page, in fighting. One coach doing it, you can't do it. All that's done. Yep. And now with Zoom, it even makes it more competitive because not only are you introducing yourself to people you don't know and they don't know you, it forces you to be a better communicator. Yeah. And in my personal opinion, we have some of the worst communicators of all time associated with this group. It's coaches. It doesn't work. Now – you have to communicate. You've got to develop an understanding. And then you add discipline in on it because you can't win if everybody's happy. Yeah. It just don't work. You know, everybody likes to act like we had no hard times. We threw up on many occasions and hated everything that was going on at the time. Winning cleanses and all that. But the pain and, yeah, you got to do it. you got to do things that other people refuse to do if you want to get the results that few people will ever get. Yeah. And then, so I have a question. So you you played tight end for the Skins for for years. What is your what is your overall your thoughts on their position that that position group now? Oh, some great guys. They just get horrible results. You know, we don't secure the line of scrimmage. 
we're, we're just – it has been one of the biggest disappointments for me and working with Chris Cooley, who was fantastic at the position yeah. and got a chance to do his thing. He also had Joe, too. And he had – that position is it's a gold mine if you like versatility and you like dual responsibilities. You got to learn the whole offense. A lot of responsibility with it. But to me, it's the most challenging, most fun thing you can do if your brain's set up for it. They've had guys that are phenomenal athletes. Vernon, Jordan, you can't get better. The, the most gifted people I've ever seen. But unfortunately, you cannot survive if you can't run the ball. You know, and they had, they're blocking, and I don't blame the guys. They were allowed to get away with it. So if somebody's going to let you throw a chicken arm, a chicken wing out, and fall nobody, and nobody, we'd have been cussed out from the goal, from the yard marker by Joe Bugle. You wouldn't have wanted to face him. See, it's a different era, man. It's different responsibilities. Listen, would I rather trade with them and not get hit, get my neck broken, arm broken, arm? Yeah, but that wasn't on my on my list. You get your list. This is what you need to do. You got to go do it. If you don't want to do it, leave. It's supply and demand. But nobody demanded of the people they put out there. They just allowed them to do whatever they want to do. To me, it's like child rearing. If you let your kid do exactly what he does, chances are things aren't going to work out the way you'd like them to in the end. And so and it's called tough love. I don't even call it tough. It's called love. It means you want somebody to complete something they start. you know, And you don't have the, the gumption to coach them through, lead them through. To me, it's unacceptable. Defensively, being last on third down, yep. blowing assignment. Look, we we've lost games. You can lose games. Yeah, but I'm not gonna blow an assignment. Forget the snap count. I, no, lose with honor. Yeah, you know. And so there, there's a lot of things that I think are now gonna be behind us. I really believe this group is gonna clean up this mess. Do, do you think bringing in guys like you see Chase Young and you in a veteran like Thomas Davis, you think that's just that's, those are just guys you need in the locker room? Thomas Davis, if I had a company, and the moment he retires, uh, I've never – I've seen him once, maybe after game, shook his hand, no one know him. Based on what I know of him, I want him as a part of my company. Interesting. That's You're damn right. You went with people, man. You went yeah. with people. This dude led the Chargers in tackles. Was he 40? Last year, whatever. And we got it. His age don't matter. He had double ACLs. I think three. I think it's, it's uh, three. Maybe three. He played with a broken arm. And I'm telling you, this dude, I haven't met him yet. But, you know, but when uh, I get the opportunity to go by there, first guy, I hug. I don't shake his hand. I hug him. <laughs> COVID-19, I hug him. Because this dude is what it's all about. That assures me that we got a better chance now. Because he's not going to let the failure and the, and the lapse in discipline occur. Not going to happen with him because he leads by example. Yeah. So does John Allen. So does I Nidus. All those, let me tell you what, they got some great guys. Yeah. Unfortunately, their record doesn't allow you to accept it. Um, and I would say it, if they're garbage, I say they're garbage. Yeah. It's never personal with me. I want them to win every game. Yeah. I got a lot of Cowboys fans. I would love us to be the next undefeated team and talk trash. Yeah. But I, I do respect the guys that I respect based on how they work. I have no problem. 
the way these guys go. Now, if you get softy the snowman and allows you to get away with stuff, they're human. I'd do the same yeah. thing. I never volunteered to go through run a whole new gauntlet. But when he said do it, I did it. But I wouldn't go, hey, coach, I got an idea. How about maybe <laughs> for real? I mean, no. Uh-uh. But I like these guys. There are a lot of these dudes, man, I go to war with. You know, um, unfortunately, you got like Clinton and Quentin Dunbar was one of those. I love Dunny. You know, but Dunny missed too many games yep. for me. I love a lot of these guys. But, hey, if you're not going to play, I can't use you. It's in a radio TV show. No. I need you to participate in the contest. Yep. Who misses half a season? Yeah. You, you turn on your TV, you see actors uh, on the episode, oh, star, he's not going to be here today. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? He's week to week. He's week to week. Yeah, he's yeah, week to week. No, no, it don't <laughs> work that way. Man up, show up, do your job, take your check. Yeah, I don't buy that. They get too many excuses for me. Interesting. And I have a, qu- I have a question about your so post football. So was what was was there a learning curve kind of get, breaking into the media, or was it relatively to the, quickly easy for you? Well, I started that in college. I mean, yeah, the learning curve is that you got to know what you want. Yeah. You know, I saw Eddie Alexander out uh, KNBC. Uh, Los Angeles, Jim Rogan, all the guys out on in, L- in L.A. And I go, wow. And Bernie Casey was a hero of mine. We were in acting. We at UCLA, you at USC, you're around. You got an opportunity to meet a lot of different people. And it really, um, socialization, you, you, you grow up quickly. I just said, I picked baseball at 12 to be my lifelong passion. And I thought I would do nothing but pitch for the Dodgers. It's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. But then when I hurt my arm and could no longer throw wacky stuff, um, you, you go into your first plan B of your life. And so if you're a baseball player, how do you play baseball? If you're a pitcher, you can't – you lose velocity. You can't throw splitters. You can't do it. You play shortstop, you can't make the throw anymore. And you go to second, all of a sudden it's no fun. And so you're forced – you know, you're 12 and you're 13, 14, and you're making life – decisions based on I was driven by one thing, baseball. Interesting. Yeah, my father played. I mean, everybody. I'm from the era in the 60s where you played catch with your old man and your uncle. Everything you did socially, you played catch. Like these kids go out, surf the internet. We played catch. We threw balls. We batted ball. We, We were outdoors playing everything. And baseball was the pastime. It was as big as football now. Yeah, I come from baseball, boxing, horse racing. Yeah, that's what I heard. Mole man, he's slamming dominoes there, watching the races, the fight. Sonny Liston, they loved all that. So, for me, baseball and little league—I mean, pony league—I was undefeated at thirteen. I was twenty-five and zero. So my first sport of being undefeated was baseball. Interesting. I thought it was the best sport in the world because you thought you could you could score games in the stands. They gave it. We had signals. I go to high school games now, and the quarterbacks are having to run over to a coach who tells them what to do. It kills me to see that. I want to say, hey, coach, that signals at 11. Don't, don't, don't harbor kids. Expand their growth. It's the same thing I'm always noticing, like, especially when I'm a big basketball fan. So anytime you're watching, like, end of game, team's down by one, they get, a, they get the rebound. The coach calls a timeout. You don't have these. You should know these plays. There you go. There you go. I'm like, let them play through, but then that's not everybody's pop. I know. Everybody's it's- not pop of it. It was O'Reilly. 
when he was with the Lakers. So I am a student of the game, love the dynamics of it. But I had great coaches, Jim Womack in Little League and, and Mr. Cole. Um, so when they teach you a sport, and Hershey Music runs a baseball park in Santa Ana Valley, and he's with the Kansas City Royals scouting deal. Man, we had baseball IQ. Interesting. So to be in any other sport and to be coached, and people are primitive and they don't understand the nuances, technology. That I get bored by that. That's why I love Joe. He's so innovative, constantly changing, you know, changing the offense every week, making you – we had a base core, but everything else was smoke and mirrors, movement. You had to run a mile before the ball was snapped every play. All those things were advantages that yeah. Joe built in. And if you could keep up from the neck up, you had a chance. If you couldn't, you had no chance. I have a question. You said you, you met a lot of people when you were at UCLA. Did you ever, did you ever cross paths with Wilt? I saw Wilt, but Wilt was a Laker. Yeah, yeah. You know, being a Bruin, and you see Wilt, Santa, you know, the beach or whatever. But no, because I didn't – I didn't – I was never and never have been a guy who's like, oh, my God, look who that. I, you know, yeah. we were doing our own thing. You know, I, we were – we were, you know, we ranked second in the country. Yeah. But – I wasn't looking for nothing. We had it. You know, we had the thing. Yeah. And the Bruins were it. And, you know, we – no, I was fine. I mean, I, you know, we had so many of these people around us. You know, to me, Elgin Baylor was a god. Yeah. Jerry West was a god. You know, I talked to Jerry Simpson's watching hoop games, the men's gym, Walt Frazier. You were around so many people, you just – it was normal. That's, so that's probably why I'm not. It was normal. You go in, a lot of pros, guys who play in the NFL will come back. They'd work out in the offseason. Yeah. They might finish up. You see these people all the time, Ferraris, Porsches. It's, it's, you know, you're in Westwood. Yeah. So I was never, you know, I was figuring out what do you want to do? You see guys get hurt. But I was going, what is fun? What, what, what would drive you if you weren't a player, if you could yeah. not play? And it's being as close to the game as possible. And I go, I love the idea of being in a live event and having a role, whether it's upstairs, on the, on the carpet, in it, wherever. Being a part of something that is so big that has a Super Bowl to end it yeah. or a, a Stanley Cup, it's got to have an ending yeah. that is unbelievable. And you get to go through that journey and be eligible for that as a non-player, I'm still pulling for the team because I want to go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, I want to be in the environment as a reporter or sideline guy or color analyst from that vantage point. That's just how I am. I want to be as close to the game as I can be. And then this is to be able to interpret it to people who really care yeah. and tell them something that I think they seldom get. And that's just the truth about what's going on. Yeah, and you know. And speak, speaking of, there's like when you, when you guys when you were playing RF, RFK was a madhouse. What, what last season when you see FedEx just basically overrun broke my by heart. broke my heart. Broke my heart. I, I just I've had tried to convey this to Al Galdi. I I, I know it's personal with me. Because I get there early. I'm there four hours before every game. I go. So when the fans come in, I walk around the base and see they become regulars. 
I see the guys at lower bars that go by, especially the visitors, Cowboy fans, Eagle fans, Giant fans. I know, hey, man, we got – hey, may the best team win. Yeah. I ain't mad. But I'm coming back and we're winning up the fourth quarter and talk trash. I'm also coming back and we're losing, so you can talk trash to me. We have an ongoing feud. We can do this thing. Yeah. As long as it's not vulgar, I'm in. Because at the end of the day, um, it's just a little bit of bragging rights. But the yeah. guys, we're not making a dime. I'm not betting. But I do love going to see our staples, guys that I've seen there every stinking year that I've been involved with this organization. And probably the favorite part of the stadium to me are the workers at the stadium. Yeah. People that let you in, the security people, because I've seen them now year after year, and you understand their families, and they show you pictures, you show them pictures. They're in Burgundy and Gold. I'm in Burgundy and Gold, and there's a, there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. And lately, we've been getting our teeth kicked in. So at the end of it all, we walk by, we, we somber, we say, hey, we'll, we'll go after next week. See you next week. And it's an ongoing relationship. And uh, they're not in the luxury box, you know. And I'm not mad at the luxury box people. Hell, I'd love to be one of them. Yeah. But I also think every part of the stadium has its own personality. Yeah. And what made RFK so unique was that there were no boxes. Everybody was one. And, and you can never redo that. And I'm all for boxing because that's how you make the money. Yeah. I'm a cow. I'm all for how you make the money. Yeah. But I also know that a lot of those fans, even in the luxury box, even in the owner's box, there's some real cool dudes and gals who are competitive. Yeah. You know, it's not up there sipping on mint juleps. <laughs> there's some really competitive people yeah. who bleed burgundy and gold. So I don't typecast. There's some real fans everywhere. I just wish that there were a little bit more intermingling. Yeah. I, I remember I was I went to a game a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. it's, they were playing Philly. And then after the game, we were the Philly defense were just harping at us the whole time. So it's, it's right on. Yeah. Team. So, so yeah. A, after the game, we're leaving. And I think they were playing, they play Eagles and they were playing uh, Dallas next week. And the guy walks up to yeah. me and he goes, I hate the Redskins. He goes, but I beat, I hate the Cowboys more. You better beat the hell out of them next week. Right. So it was, it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild. It's just the way it is, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, but I love it because yeah. it's something going on. And win, lose, or draw. I mean, we're winning. We're averaging winning one game a year now within the division. Man, that is just not good. Yeah. It doesn't settle well with me. You know, but I can't quit. I, don't, I would never quit. You know, I got to see the parade through. And that's yeah. my goal. My, my whole motto is I got to see the parade through. I, I just need another parade, when, you know. When they, when they hired Rivera around New Year's, did that give you a sense of hope? Like, all right, we're, we're getting there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I went over there January 2nd. I think the day he showed up. And just to let him know, I mean, we're Pac-12. Well, we were all old Pac-8 guys. But I'd let him know him and Jack Del Rio. Man, man, we're in an East Coast bias environment. They they sleep while Pac-10 game, Pac-12 games. So I told him, but, you know, we got presence here. Yeah. And just congratulations. No, I, I, I played uh, against uh, Coach and Del Rio when he was in Jacksonville. I've covered, you know, Sunday night. One of the crazy things about Jacksonville, he was doing a hell of a job. Pittsburgh, not only did they humiliate us on Monday night, they do it to everybody. I'm at a game, doing a game for Westwood One, maybe a Sunday night game, and Pittsburgh must have had 40,000 people wow. there. And Del Rio's boys came out and slammed. They went after It was a war. You know, so I always go up to Jack. Hey, Trojan, give him some love from the Pac-12. 
But now I just feel we're in good hands. Now, because of Zoom, we haven't seen them do anything with anybody. But they've been there before. They're not experimenting. So, yeah, I trust, I trust that whole operation. But I'm not expecting them to go 16-0. Okay? You got to fight through. They're going to hit some bumps. They hit some bumps. But they'll get through it as long as, you know, uh, the players commit to the whole program. It's about the players, man. Yeah. Man up. Do your job. You know, the Belichick, this is number one saying, just do your job. Yep. He didn't say do it great. He just said do your job. If everybody does that. We'll have a good shot. What do you need what do you, for, for Haskins this year? Is it statistics or, or comfortability you want to see? I don't give a damn about his stats. I want him to win. Yeah. As long as he wins, we're good. I got no problem with it. I judge all my quarterbacks the same. I judge them by win-losses. And it's unfair as yeah. hell to them. Yeah. But I can't do the passing. Yeah. What difference does it make? He had 400 yards. Did they win? No. Well, I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. When he threw 186 yards, did we win? Yeah, we won. All right, my man. I don't care. I don't care. I want to win the game. Because for me, it's the tournament. I got to get in the tournament. I just can't be in the – there's a playoffs. So I'm not in it. No, uh-uh. I got to be in the tournament. Because yeah. I can't get to the game without being in the tournament. So, you know, I don't begrudge – look. I work with Mr. Stats. Love Galdi. Go ahead, man. Get all the numbers you need. Only number I care about. The W. The W. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, th- this, it. Is, this has been awesome. There's one last question for you. So when everything yeah. sort of goes back to normal and everything is safe to do, whenever that may be, what's the first if thing? If it does. If. Cross your fingers. What's the first thing you're looking forward to doing? Well, it depends on what category it's in. I mean, going anything, to work, if I go anything. back to the job. Seeing um, seeing Agnes at the Team 980, she's receptionist of the oh, cool. year. And she went out and had surgery before the holidays. So I haven't seen oh, her wow. since like, no, like maybe December and uh, of last year. Not any time this year. Still have her Christmas gift, haven't given it to wow. her. And so I think to me, as, for, as an individual, yeah. because she lights up the entire office, and she's been doing it for 30 years. That's awesome. I think it's, and yeah, that is one, one person. But because we have not missed a day of work, I don't feel like I'm working. I just yeah. haven't been in the building. Yeah. But I'm on the air every day from the house. So from right like we're talking, I'm, I'm doing my show the same way. So, um, and I feel like I've been on the Beltway for 45 years, I feel like I'm like, you know, I'm not going to apologize for not being stuck in traffic two hours every day. Yeah. I'm going to accept the fact that I'm turning over a new leaf yeah. and I got to figure it out. The admissions, I can see parts of the world you couldn't even see visually. I think the earth says, oh, thank you. You know, it's kind of like this is a weird thing going on, man. Because there are some benefits to this, yeah. although it has been a tragedy. Yeah. But we're going to have to grow on the positive. And I just am not – I take the positive out of it. Nothing I can do about it. Make the best of it. Um, and it would be, to answer your question, to see Agnes, to, to see she's healthy awesome. and to be okay. And I'm sure people lost – you have lost people, you know. Um, so it will be weird. But I'm not even certain that I'll ever go back in a building. 
Really? You know, I can do my job from home. I mean, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm not in a position. Where I can, no, that this is okay. I can adjust to this. Yeah. You know, and because uh, I can get more done, yeah. I can actually be more efficient. Interesting. Uh, from where I am now, because I get two year, two hours of my life to do what I feel like doing with it every day. And so I thought I'd hate it because I'm a creature of habit. Yeah. But this new habit, once it's safe, uh, I don't see any reason why I reverse yeah. it. It's like you're telling me I don't have to get up that early and you're telling me I don't have to sit in traffic. Well, I'm good with that. So, yeah, so, yeah, I can adjust to it. <laughs> exactly. But I didn't mind 5.30, 6 a.m. It's, well, no. it's what I did. Yeah. But now, I'm, oh, well, you know, and I am aging a little bit, yeah. so... You know, and there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm going to make the best of it. Absolutely.